0: Welcome to Noble Warrior. You're here, my friends, because you believe that expanding your mindset in service of your highest purpose is what makes life meaningful. Our goal with this show is to introduce you to leaders and entrepreneurs and ideas that will accelerate your self-actualization. So if you want to continue this conversation or ask any further questions, go to noblewarrior.com forward slash group. All right, let's get started. I'm really excited to have Robert Christensen with us today. Robert is a cloud technology leader, a motivator, a speaker, and an innovator. Robert is a contributing writer for CIO Magazine. He is the editor-in-chief for the Doppler Magazine, the leader in cloud thought leadership, and the host of the popular Motive for Life podcast. He's also a best-selling author for the book The Bug in Our Brain, and he's also one of my, my guys. You know, someone that I admire, someone that I look up to, someone that I learn from in one of my, you know, in my my men's group. So, uh, welcome to the show, Robert.
1: Thank you for having me, CK. Yeah, absolutely. So the um, practice I've been doing for almost 14 months now, ever since I listened to Terry Cruz on um, on Tim Ferriss's podcast. He was talking about um, Terry was talking about how he adopted intermittent fasting, right? And uh, Tim was talking to him about how amazing he looked for his age Mm. right now now, you know terry's all in right he's Mm. he does not let food control his life Mm. he is a understands the nature of having his body as the anchor to all things being good in his life Mm. as he eats he feels good as he goes through life um, knowing that his body is healthy he's at anchor it's his anchor position right Mm -hmm. and i love that Mm. and so um I've always struggled with food ever since I was a kid. Sugar has always been my first addiction, right, since day one. Uh, I would steal money from my parents, run down to the store, get a candy bar. Wow. That's what I would do. Um, so as I got older, um, I found that sugar was my always my go-to diversion, right? Wherever I wanted to turn off my head, I'd eat a candy bar. I'd eat some sort of... Um, sugar or something that was sweet that distracted me, and I would get that, that high that comes with sugar, right? You know,
2: mm-hmm. your,
1: um, insulin would kick in, and, you know, you're feeling good. You get a little jolt of energy. It's like people smoking cigarettes yeah. and nicotine and that kind of stuff. So um, for me, I had um, to understand that that reaction to food was one of my key indicators that something was upsetting me inside, that I was not okay inside, right? And um, so listening to Terry talk about intermittent fasting, I I started studying it and looking into it, um, and I decided to commit to it, right? Mm. To commit to doing intermittent fasting. And so the first week was difficult, getting out of the routine of getting up and making breakfast and going getting something and stopping at the store or going someplace. Um, So I just disconnected from any kind of eating in the morning at all of any type, Mm -hmm. right? So now it's coffee right? Um, I'll have a coffee, take me up to about noon or one. And then um, I'll break my fast with typically some sort of protein, typically eggs, hard boiled eggs, I'll consume a a bunch of hard boiled eggs. Mm. Uh, How many? uh, Yesterday was four. um, And uh, I had a lot of greens yesterday what else did I eat? I ate some protein, good protein, good meats, right? Um, It could be any proteins. It doesn't much matter, right? And then um, I have to consume a large amount of greens of some sort. Uh, I love spinach, but it doesn't usually agree with my stomach, right? So Mm. I have to have a bathroom close by, and I know if I eat uh, any large amount of spinach. Mm. But, you know, I mix it in with kale. So a great deal is I just go down to Ralph's and take one of their, their things and just cram as much um, lettuce and various things in there, throw some turkey or chicken on top of that. It's like seven bucks. I, ha- I eat it here and it takes me 10 or 15 minutes to eat it because it's so much. Right. Right. And then, but you know, it fills me up. Um, I feel good, carries me into the later time. Then maybe two or three o'clock, I might find myself with some nuts or um, it depends. You know, I give myself a lot of permission to eat what I want to eat during that time, but come seven o'clock, 7.30, I shut down. But I also discovered as a result of intermittent fasting, I allow myself some um, chocolate,
2: mm.
1: okay? Almost on a, a, a daily basis, daily. i have some peace, because I recognize that this is so visceral and so tattooed inside me. Mm-hmm. To fight it mm. would be, um, I just know me, it's, my, it's, it's so buried inside me as a psychological mm-hmm. fallback. Mm-hmm. I give myself something to satisfy that identity inside me that seems to be going knock, 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 you're not paying attention to me, mm. right? So I'm making more friends with it mm. and then slowly turning it. Rather than fighting to, it. Fight, yeah, I, I've come to recognize that this thing inside me that wants attention mm. and the way it gets my attention is either you either deal with me now or I'll deal with you later. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, people find themselves doing all sorts of dark things and they don't know why instead of engaging that darker side and just saying and recognizing that darker side is there and will always be there. Mm. It's the nature of humans, mm. right? That we have, a, we have a darker side and I let that darker side vent out like it's a steam, right? Mm. And it vent out and I give it something to keep it okay. Mm-hmm. right and I've given myself permission that's what I learned through this intermittent fasting right is that I can be okay with myself being okay with a darker side mm. and that's a, that's that's a different place to be it's, it's like a, a self love of all of me of who mm-hmm. I am of mm-hmm. what I am it mm-hmm. doesn't make me wrong mm-hmm. but somewhere along the line I got this thing inside me that says that shouldn't exist right and I need to, to squash it right to suppress it. To suppress it. And mm-hmm. that is not, for, it, for me, I've learned, it is not a healthy process because it's going to come up. Right. And it's going to vent, and it's kind of like a, a volcano. Right. Either the volcano is going to steam out.
0: Right. Like a
1: dead volcano versus a live volcano. Correct. Where mm-hmm. right. the live volcanoes, everybody is okay with the live volcano because we can see what it's doing. It's venting, right? It's right, constantly right, letting right. the steam off. Mm-hmm. All right. But, you know, I don't want
0: to be Mount St. Helens.
1: Right? I don't want to have this cap, this caldera on top of that thing that finally destroys everything in a 30-mile radius.
0: Right. And when it comes up, it's like even, even if I speak for myself, mm-hmm. it would surprise me. It does. And then well, it would surprise everyone else. And it, it just that explosive me. power just comes up. And it, I, I learned over the years to really let that go uh, in a healthy way. That's exactly right. It's yeah. got to come out, right? It's got to come out. Mm-hmm. Especially for, I think,
1: for men – is that we we are so hard on ourselves
2: mm-hmm.
1: to be a certain way that if I have that dark side and it comes out, I must be wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that voice of I must be wrong is what I beat myself up with, mm-hmm. right? And it's this high-speed hamster wheel that's in my head that I'm doing something wrong and I gotta fix myself. Right. That's the part that
0: um, I was tired of being on. Yeah, and in, in our time today, there's a lot of this, this phrase going around, like toxic masculinity, and mm-hmm. it really turns me off. Mm-hmm. I think I can be okay with healthy, unhealthy, right? well, not well. Like, you know, you, to describe my internal state, I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. But when you use the word toxic, right. now there's judgment behind that way of being, mm-hmm. Who are you to tell me whether or not I'm toxic or not? Only I know what's healthy or unhealthy for me. Right. So when, when that word is being thrown around, when guys started using that word to, to describe themselves or describe other men or society in general, that's to me, is a externally imposed judgment. And to me, that's a really turn off. It's a, it's a strong word. It's a very, Tox- very strong.
1: Toxic masculinity word. is a very strong term to describe <clears throat> Excuse me, to describe um, uncontrolled uh masculinity is what i what I would think of is and and you know i 'm married for twenty eight years to a very strong woman okay mm-hmm. who 's very tuned into today 's society right, and she understands from her perspective what toxic masculinity is, and there is no room for that in my house mm-hmm. right. She and my daughter are actively involved with what's going on in today's world, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listen to what it is that they're saying and what they don't like and what they're seeing, right? And from their perspective, those are the words that they would use to describe what they're seeing in other men. Mm. And um, in the in the vacuum of not understanding, the, from a male perspective, Mm. that's the words that they are able to articulate how they feel. I see. Okay. And, and I'm okay with them articulating it that way. I see. Okay. Um, what I have to know is, is that I have, um, come to the position of recognizing that, um, when I serve the feminine in my world, when I go as a, as a servant to my wife and daughter and the women in my life, that I am there serve them
2: mm-hmm.
1: right all that term all that thing that comes around that just flies out the window right and i find who i am i, I find purpose mm. right you know i can mm-hmm. throw on the pack on my back right of what they need to get done and i'm serving them to the best of my ability um but i get that i get that term i don't like it mm-hmm. okay but i get it right right same here i understand when <clears throat> i understand from. where they're coming from mm-hmm. and and uh you know having strong love and support for what they need from us mm. is really what the
0: question is, right? Where, where is that? What do they need from us? So why don't we just talk a little bit about going back <clears throat> to the theme of, mm-hmm. in my mind, the mental motto is not so much the darker side, the lighter side. The yeah. way I look at it, it's, 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 it's our, our, our lower self versus higher self. Agreed. It's very similar, yep. right? It's, the lower self is the primal. Right, the sex drive, I think what do some people call it? Uh, to kill it, to fuck it, to uh, to eat it, yep. to, to, Attack it, to to friend it or follow it. You know, these type of like primal drives, they're all there. Yep. Versus the higher drive, a uh, higher self, that is to you know, to use our cognitive ability to to be purposeful, to be to, to <coughs> follow our, our, our mission, to follow our core values, yep. right? All of that stuff. Um, so, so I guess going back to this, how do you, what was your journey yeah. in recognize that lower self and bring more and more awareness of that and to have that finesse, that control using your words, right? To, to, to bring that awareness, to come to terms, to be friends with it rather than suppress it or, 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 or try to uh, make it wrong.
1: That's a great question.
0: Tell us a little bit of your journey. How, I mean, how, what were the pivotal points well, I've had to some, learn all of that lesson? Yeah, <laughs> um, the
1: the the pivot for me um, happened about uh, ten years ago uh, with my wife, uh, and and financially I was struggling. Had a business that wasn't doing well, right? Um, uh financially we were having a difficulty we had to sell a, a dream house there's a bunch of things that were going on and my wife said to me i'm so worried about money my hair is falling out literally and literally mm. literally she her hair was falling out cuz she was so concerned and she she loves me so much and supports me so much in my desire to achieve and my desire to be what i thought was a man right that she would stay with me in that car until the end. Mm. And that's, that's an amazing emotion, but it doesn't make me feel like I'm uh, holding up my end of the bargain, mm. right? When I um, was dragging her through my emotional bullshit, mm. okay? And that's a big, big problem, right? And a lot of, of um, guys that, that I hang out with, Um, are in similar strong relationships and they they resonated deeply with them they they say i'm not being as the guy that i thought i would right you know i there's a there's a, a, a voice inside me that says this is who i can be but i'm not getting there i'm cycling up and down up and down and so um that was a real wake-up call. And I think prior to any shift in your life, you have to have this wake-up call. There's got to be this bell that rings inside you at such a visceral level that this is no longer acceptable anymore. I I have to change. And if you don't recognize that bell when it goes off and it rolls right past you, you're just suffering again. You just keep going back into the suffering cycle again, right, over and over. And so um, the first stage was recognizing that I was not going to go back to that step again, that space again, ever again, ever. And it was unconditional. I'm not doing that ever again. I'm going to do whatever it takes in my life to change the inner voice inside me that says that space, that emotion is not going to happen again. Mm -hmm. All right. So there was a a kickoff, right? Um, When that shift happened... Um, suddenly, people started showing up into my life, talking to me about changes that they were making in their life. They were—I was resonating with the creative force, this life force inside me, and it was bringing to me people that were saying, "I felt like you," and I recognized that, and this is what I did. So I just start trying them. Mm. I just start trying their different things, right? I just, I what different, well, I um, met a group of men. Okay, you and I are part of that group, right? So we um, uh, we did that. Um, I went to a men's weekend that helped me considerably to strip out a lot of um, preconceived notions of what kind of guy I should be or what guy I shouldn't be, right? Mm-hmm. So that helped define. It helped lay the bedrock of definition on that. Um, the the challenge was is that i wasn't my relationship wasn't dying in the terms of a relationship we weren't talking about divorce we weren't talking about separation we had kids you know the the family entity was pretty strong mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. the 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 quality of our life sucked
2: mm-hmm.
1: right mostly because of money mm-hmm. and, um, and a, a very emotional state that i was in having not see mm-hmm. who i was um i found the courage to change the relationships with some other men that I was having in my life from being a victim mm. to owning the relationship. <clears throat> and and so when you're being a victim, you're being powerless. It means like, I can't do anything, therefore I fall into a victim role. Sure. And when you're a victim, you now are perpetrating your victim status, your victim emotions on those around you. Mm okay and so my wife, family, anybody around me were being victimized by me she was her hair was falling out mm. okay so my victim' status and when you're in it you don't know you're in it that's that's the challenge with being a victim is you don't know you're in it mm. once I found I was transparent and started telling other men in my life what was really going on because I was not telling a whole lot of people. Once I started telling other guys what was happening, I was becoming more transparent and I was shifting into an empowered state. Mm. Okay, So I started telling these guys. I'd say, hey, like CK, I'd say, hey, man, I I can't seem to get my business out of this wacky state I'm in right now. And uh, a guy came to me and says, well, tell me what's going on. And I said, well, I own 15% of the business, but I'm the guy who runs the whole damn thing. I'm the guy who's got all the risk uh, on it. I'm a technology guy. I invented this whole platform. I built the whole thing globally. It it runs on Amazon's web services platform. And I've got these great customers, but these two guys who control 50% of the business um, are not doing anything. Okay? And so I played my cards. I, I, I was holding four aces in my hand, mm. but playing it like I had some crap hand. Mm. This is the shift, right? So I picked up the phone and said, hey, either you sell me your, your, your shares at the co- company and give me a chance to buy you out, or I'm walking.
2: Mm.
1: And I was able to buy their shares out.
2: Mm.
1: All right. And I went from 15% ownership to 65% ownership. I then controlled it. And I just took one step after another. And I ended up selling the company like five or six months later. Mm. Okay, to my number one customer who really wanted it right? and I got paid out and I was able to clear all the debt and get us a little bit of money into another house right? and get things settled down again right? mm. and it was a huge win I mean it's a huge win mm. and the thing that happened was me was, was that I was not um, going to stay in that situation anymore I wasn't going to stay in that one position anymore I was going to change either I was going to walk away from the business and let them do what they're going to do Right, I was prepared for that. Or I was going to convert the business and sell it. Right. There was no one, either way about it, right? Right. And so this happened five years ago, six years ago. Mm. Okay. From there, I was now put in the position of a lot of confidence, man. I mean, yeah, this I is feel what, it. This is what Terry Crews was talking I about. I feel it. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, Terry Crews would say, hey, Robert, if he was sitting right across the table like you and I right now, he'd say, this is a confidence game. He said mm. that over and over again on Tim Ferriss's podcast. And I go, mm. damn, man, he is right on. He says it's a confidence game. You walk in with confidence, you know, shit happens. Mm. Things happen. People start moving forward. Things go on. People want to fall in behind a confident leader, right? So mm-hmm. stuff like that happens. When you lack confidence, fear goes into the rest of the people.
0: People feel it. They, f- they feel it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you walk into a room, so I, I do public speaking. I, I speak in front of hundreds or thousands of people on a regular basis in the technology industry. When I walk into a place where I am going to speak, I bring my confidence. And I say, internally to me, I, I say, this room is mine. Mm. This is my room. Mm. Okay? So when I stand up on stage and people are talking and they're all chit-chatting and stuff like that, I just stand there. Until they get quiet, and it doesn't take long. Mm. Suddenly, when somebody who's displaying confidence, who's on a stage, who's just looking at people, it's an amazing energy transformation. They all just kind of go, yeah, and they lock in. I know you felt it. I know you've been in places where someone who walks in with confidence, everybody kind of just kind of shifts, right? They just change it. So that put me into another opportunity with a startup
0: company. Before you go there, yeah, I want to unpack something you said. Okay. Because we went through it very quickly. We did. I'm the kind of guy who was like, hey, wait a minute. That was a moment. All right. right. Sounds good. So because what you describe a lot of times, this is a common issue. Just being human. Mm-hmm. Stress about money and you know, all these things. What I heard was a recognition of the external world. Hey, we lack money. My wife's hair was falling out. But then you recognize it was an internal gain. Yes, as an ex, as a manifest manifestation of what's happening internally, and then you had other men to to share in a transparent way what's really going on internally, and then they help you make that internal shift, and you got that clarity, you got that inner power, then you were able to make some power moves right. with these two other partners. Is that that's, accurate? That's exactly what happened. Okay, cool. So, so to follow up. Mm-hmm. with a couple of points. Some people then say, I want to be radically transparent everywhere. So, did you just become transparent to every man that you meet or a select few? Just let's put some qualifiers on me. Okay, so say a little bit more about who are some of those men that get to see the inner world of Robert Christensen?
1: That's a really good question. But thanks for parking on that one. Um, the, I think about the guys that I talked to, um, there was a, there had to be a solid, um, foundation of confidentiality, right? That I had to be able to talk to them about this lack of confidence that I had, um, that I was falling into this failure role and I felt like I was rolling down a hill uncontrolled. When I, that, that failure feeling would come and go. Right. It's like, you know, it's like someone with a switch, right? You know, it's you very, very subtle. It's subtle. It's right. So but
0: internally it's like a couple of degrees difference.
1: It, it, it's like trying to, if you've ever done sailing right it's like tacking right you got to go mm-hmm. back and forth but you're heading to some some compass direction but the real great sailors are the are the world's best tackers right they change directions they, they come back and forth back and forth against the wind right and they're sailing into the wind mm-hmm. but they're using the power of the wind to move the ship
0: mm-hmm. um, i love that analogy
1: by the way yeah That's it great. really is is yeah. that i needed daily or if not every other day check-ins with these guys to say hey you know what? I've been able to go a couple, two or four days, but I'm right back in that funk again. And I would call him up and I'd say, "Hey, um, I don't understand what happened. I am falling backward again because of a comment my wife may have said. Right? She's she's expressing her her fear because I'm not demonstrating. I haven't had enough history to demonstrate that I've to give her enough confidence
0: that she can." Know that Robert's got this, right? We're not there yet. And and plus, circumstances don't change that fast. They don't. Your internal things change a lot quickly, but the circumstances may take you know days, weeks, whatever to change. But I don't have history with her. Mm -hmm. Exactly. My history with her was okay. We just went through five or seven years
1: of bullshit, Mm. right? And oh, by the way, this is five or six weeks in right now, and you know you expect me to just accept this? Doesn't work that way, Mm. right? So. Um, my emotions would get tied up with that, and i 'd have to be able to talk to another guy who knows where I am i 'd call him on the phone i 'd spend five minutes on him just you know saying hey i don 't understand what 's wrong here. I keep getting thrown off course and he would say, "Well, what are you doing today?" and I would say well i 'm doing um, you know I, I, I was able to start putting a consistent morning routine together. Mm-hmm. This is a good unpack by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm <clears throat> going back now. Yeah, yeah, please. Because right now it's so routine for me today, right? I got gotcha. you, yeah. yeah. Um, I was not able to consistently meditate prior to that. I'd have fits and starts, and I knew meditation was going to be a good thing for me. But in my mid-40s, I was having challenges, right? Every time I closed my eyes, my head would just spin off in left field. Um, but something happened there. He would ask me, well, have you been able to you know, at least – sit quietly for a couple minutes today and he, and I said no yeah I said well why don't you just do that right now start there start there mm-hmm. just breathe go into the car close the doors go sit in the parking lot and close your eyes and breathe <sighs> right so I learned a basic simple technique of letting your um, air out on the exhale be longer than the air inhale right mm-hmm. so um, prior to this podcast, right? You know, we did a little breathing, where I do a four count in, I hold for five counts, and then my exhale is going to be seven counts or longer. It's a fundamental calming of my nervous system of the fight or flight instinct, hmm. and <clears throat> this is old, old, you know, meditative techniques, right? There's nothing yeah. new here, but it worked.
0: Well, there's a reason why it lasted for yeah, hundreds and thousands of years.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's good stuff. So I started there, and I had this guy named Neil. Um, he taught me just to, all right, just right now, man. Robert, Robert, just walk. Go outside and get some sunshine, right? Look at the sky. You know, take a walk around the parking lot. So now, consistently, sometime around 11 or 11.30, most days, I'll do a walk around the parking lot two or three times. Just to get some sunshine, give my brain a break, give myself a little calmingness, and it's such a good grounding. And I feel better, right? I physically feel better. So I started picking up some of these initial techniques from these guys that I was that were next to me. And the reason they were showing up is because I was willing to take it in, right? If you're right. not willing, mm-hmm. you're not gonna hear it. So that was one thing. And you also were willing to execute. More I think it's even one more more willing is I was willing to call them. Mm. Therein lies the trick right there. Mm. If, if I'm not willing to pick up the phone or text somebody that says I'm in trouble mm. and to recognize my emotional state as being that negative falling back state, I will never get better. I have to have somebody around me that I can connect with that's going to suggest, take this action or do this thing, right? That's why I think coaching and having people around you who are your trusted um, uh, partners in life is so critical. Uh, A a, a man on his own is a hard, hard road, Mm. right? You know, I think any human on our own is is a hard road, right? Mm -hmm. We're social creatures. But a man who has another man or a group of men around them that are walking with him in this helping him get better, it's an unbelievable Mm. uh, emotional um, guidance system, really. It's like this thing that pushes me down this path, right? Mm.
0: Thank you for sharing that. That's a beautiful journey. Um, Over the weekend, I went to a meditation retreat and had a realization that um, very similar to this conversation I have thousands and thousands of acquaintances over decades of my life I have hundreds of friends but a handful of brothers Yeah. to me and and what makes someone a brother is the longevity of the relationship the depth of the relationship but also their willingness to really shine a mirror for me Mm. um that level of trust, confidentiality, really showing each other, you know, what's really the internal grappling that we have mm-hmm. as human beings.
1: Grappling is the great word for that, by the way.
0: Yeah, it's a couple of degrees of grappling, like uh-huh. things we wrestle with. Sometimes we don't even have words for those. We have to
1: tell stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, that's why stories are so powerful for us. Um, they give meaning to the emotions I'm feeling but I can't put words to.
0: Mm. Yeah. And so, so some, it, it's weird to me sometimes when someone calls me brother mm-hmm. without that relationship. I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, do we have that level of relationship? <laughs> Are we brother? there yet, right? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> well, I call you brother for sure. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. <clears throat> you, yeah. You and I, we have that kind of relationship where yeah. we can have the privilege to shine mirrors for each other, right? It's that's a, that's a good It's thing. an earned position,
1: it is an earned thing that is so true it's really interesting that you say that because um it's so easy to break that trust right it it, it is i find it comes about by a simple act of does somebody follow up with what they said they were going to do um so often hey call me you know like this podcast, right? Right. Mm-hmm. you said, you asked me, hey, where are we? I'd like to have my podcast. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. And you said, I'll send you something to set a date. I responded, okay? And now we're here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And we, we were at the place we said we were going to be at at the time that we said we were going to be there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're in that process of whatever's next is going to come next, right? Mm-hmm. That simple follow-through process is not in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that, I don't know if that's new or if that's a long time human thing. I don't have the context around it. But what I know is that the guys that earn a space with me as a brother um, do that. They're there when they say they're going to be there. And if they're not, they give me enough, you know, head time to say, hey, let's figure it out and go find something else to go do.
0: Yeah, for sure. In my mind, it's, think of it as a, like a, bank account as an analogy mm-hmm. and that promises and requests fulfilled you're depositing into that bank account That's interesting. Now that deepens the relationship further and further
1: that's a really good way of looking at it I right like that's his story right Yeah.
0: <laughs> versus if you don't make that deposit with the promises and requests fulfilled then it's like can I really count on this person because he or she said to be here in this particular time that there are excuses or whatever yeah not fulfilled by the time it's going to say it's going to fulfill i'm going to subconsciously or consciously i'm going to question can i really count on this person when it counts that's a really <laughs> that's a really good point you
1: know the the earning of trust is like in a banking account of requests and fulfillment that's that's i like it promise would you say promises and requests promises and requests there's a good takeaway from today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you I got appreciate that. that. <laughs> I'm going to use that one in my own little repertoire. Yeah, right? please. I'm going to say, hey, CK give me this. I'll tell him two more times, then it becomes mine. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> it's
0: all good. All good. Take it. Take yes. it. So so I interrupted your, your, your journey. So yeah. you, you were going to say you now sold your company. We sold company. Joined another startup. Yep. Okay. Continue, please.
1: Yeah. So the previous company I sold was a company called Cloud Nation. And in the cloud computing industry, um, Uh, It was just taken off. This is 2013 when we sold. And Amazon Web Services was really, you know, breaking glass at that time. And not a whole lot of people were were plugged into what they were doing in the industry. Um, But I had just, the company I just sold was built on top of that platform, right? And I remember using it and I was saying, "This, this is going to change the world. I remember saying to myself, and I go, I want to be involved with the next company who's going to ride this wave. So I, I, I interviewed two places. This was really crazy. I went to the Amazon show in 2013, and I was walking the halls looking around for opportunities and stuff like that. I, I, I needed to get a job job, right? I couldn't be an entrepreneur anymore. I needed to get a job job. What, wanted, hold
0: on one second. Why couldn't you be an entrepreneur again?
1: That was my thinking at the time, Ah, right? right. I didn't want to have the burden of payroll on me. Mm. okay yeah that's- but those, but,
0: <laughs> payroll is one of those things that's uh one could call it burden one could call it responsibility but you know when someone else's livelihood is in your hands it's oh, yeah. it's Man, a heavy responsibility you
1: know what uh until you have to write checks for somebody else's livelihood you have no idea what it's like to run a business mm-hmm. that's it's like jumping out of an airplane right until you actually put something on your back and jump out of an airplane and trust that the chute's gonna open, mm-hmm. you have no way of knowing what that's gonna be like. And mm-hmm. until, uh, I don't think someone is a true entrepreneur until that actually happens. That's my mm. definition of an entrepreneur. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, so I went and got the nearest thing to that, right, mm. in this industry. And I was walking the halls, and this guy named Chris Greendale, he was a he's longtime successful investor launching companies, He done multiple billion dollar exits, right? He's just a great dude. I mm-hmm. love him. And he steps into the hallway while I'm walking Then The this, this show is packed, right? And it's in this little corner of the Venetian in Las Vegas. And he says to me, he goes, hey, young man, what do you do? And I looked at him right now. I said, I don't do anything right now. I'm unemployed. I sold my company. And I got no place to go. Yuck, 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 laugh, laugh, laugh. And it just struck a chord with him. Mm. He goes, takes a card out of his shirt and he hands it to me. He says,
0: call me. Wow. And I go, that's it. That was, that was, that was, was it. That was wow. it. He
1: just call me. He said, I want to talk to a guy like you. All right. It was all feel, it was all vibe. I was super transparent. I, I, I had no job. I had no place to go. I sold my company. But that stitching together of that transparency with that guy right at that moment mm. who stepped in front of me mm. amongst, you know, there must have been a thousand people in that aisle. It was packed. Mm. And so at the same time, I was interviewing with Amazon, right? Amazon Web Services, and they only had maybe 10 or 15 people in their professional services group, which is now thousands. Um, and I had two interviews. That's the only two I, I took. I really wanted the job with Amazon because mm-hmm. I thought that that's where I would want to be and the ones with um, Chris Greendale and a company called Cloud Technology Partners. And my confidence, though, was high.
0: Yeah, your inner game is strong. My inner
1: game was strong because I just pulled off a, a, a transaction, right? I yeah. sold a company, yeah. right? And you know, it, was a, it, it wasn't you know, knock down the world money or like that, but it was it was a transaction. You did it, I yeah. did it, right? Yeah, I pulled you did it from a, zero you, nothing, and we pulled it off. Yeah, right? you did
0: a single double, yeah, 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 for sure, exactly, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, I didn't get the job at Amazon. They turned me down.
2: Mm. Okay,
1: now I passed through all of these things with flying colors until until I got to the last interview with these guys, they call them bar raisers in the, in, the, in the Amazon world. Bar raisers are people who go around and they would say, hey, CK, this is where I think you should be in your career. And why aren't you there? What can we do to get you there? They're constantly raising the bar. That's their job, right? Mm. And I knew that I was gonna re- meet them. I'd studied the whole interview process and stuff. And um, I remember specifically the moment they said, well, what questions do you have for us? And I said, well, what do you guys do to make sure that the people here are um, feel like they're on a mission and that they're part of something. It's a good question. They didn't have an answer. Mm. And they go, What do you mean? And I went, Oh. The green flags I had up to that point instantly turned yellow. Mm. And I went, A deep thing inside me goes, That's not a priority. All right. And I so I didn't let up. I said, Well, what I mean by that is, Do you guys, like, come together in some kind of social situation that says, hey, we're supporting each other and we're on this goal and we're trying to drive towards purpose, right? What's our purpose and stuff? Flew right over them like it was a a Frisbee that they couldn't catch, right? They didn't know what I was talking about. And eventually they got to finally saying, yeah, well, we have a pizza party when we do a release on a product. And I go, and I knew at that moment the interview was over and it was done and I wasn't going to get the job. Mm. I was walking down the streets of Seattle down on 8th Street saying to myself, Fuck. Just mm. like that. Mm. Just saying to myself, you know, but I was still hoping, right? So I was painting red flags green, right? You know, mm-hmm. just saying, okay. <laughs> and uh, I remember calling one of my guys, this guy named Otis. Mm. And Otis just listened, right? And then I got the call about three days later, we're, we're not going to hire you. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I was pissed, right? But at the same time, Chris Greendale and the CTP people wanted me. Mm -hmm. they wanted what i had right so i take the job there and i'm the the one guy who understands the whole amazon world right and so we start building the practice okay we start building the consulting practice and what our whole job was was to convince large organizations big companies financial companies the biggest ones actually you name any of the top 10 financial companies in the world they've worked with us um and all the the security systems that are now part of cloud computing today, we established and worked with them to build, right? So just just this ground knowledge stuff, the confidence that I had back then in my abilities to to do business in this world was like at a all time high for me personally because I was falling back on what I know that I know I knew, right? And these guys let me run;
0: mm.
1: they just let me run. They, would, they were the finance guys. They were guiding the ship, all right? The whole deal was to build this thing and sell it. That was the deal, Right. Mm. And I knew that, and I knew what run That was run. the mission. That was the mission. Mm. And um, we ran that company for five years, mm-hmm. okay? And we sold it to Hewlett Packard Enterprises,
2: mm.
1: okay? Mm. And uh, it was a great exit.
0: Mm. It was a great exit, right? And, so th- for those of you that I don't know, Robert is smiling really big right now. Yes,
1: <laughs> and it was great. You know, I wasn't a money guy in, but I was like right on the heels of those folks that were the money guys. Sure, there, right. Sure. So I, 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 always said to the people who were in that pool with me, I said, "These guys know what they're doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's draft on them, mm. right? We're gonna. It's like being behind a, a an ocean liner, right? And mm. you're in behind the draft, and you're just being pulled along. Mm. Okay, let's draft on these guys and learn. Mm. So I got a front row seat. To what is now easily the biggest, most single tectonic shift in technology ever, mm. to me, ever right. is the consumption of cloud computing globally. The where it is right at, right now, I mean, mm. it's it's stunning. Mm. And so, you know, I'm now with Hewlett Packard Enterprises. They've uh, been really good to me. Mm. Um, they've they listen to what we're talking about and stuff, and we're changing within them, right? So. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the next next is what's next, right? But let's just say that um, it's given me a a space by which I could keep going back to the men in my life to say, hey, here's where I am. I don't know if I have the confidence to step into that CIO conversation with a Fortune 10 company. Mm. All right, Mm -hmm. think about that. I mean, you're talking to a guy or a gal who runs 30,000 technology people and has a 10 billion dollar budget, and you're going to try to convince them to use the cloud for what they're doing on premise right, right. You, you better have your shit together, right you better be know what you're talking about right and so to have that conversation with my with the teams that were around me and the, the, just the amazing men and women who, who we come together with to make all this thing happen, it's stunning and it, you know it all started with Chris Greendale yeah. Stepping in and handing me a card because I was transparent and confident.
0: Well, actually, let me backtrack for one second. Yeah. From my observation, it started with you yes. internally, right? You you were in a funk. You found your game yep. with the help of your men. Yep, and then you made some power moves. Yep. made a single, made a double. Yep, met a uh, a guy in power, or really influence. Yep, Chris. Uh, follow your intuition I did that was right? the part yeah. right instead of following through try to like oh my god I should have gotten to Amazon please take me right going mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. you follow your intuition join Chris's team draft behind yep learning these financial just guys lear- just learning from those guys learning 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 you know your craft of course mm-hmm. and then you step into that new platform following the momentum build your team have a big exit now you're stepping them to a bigger game. Yes. Right? So Confucius said, self-mastery, family, nation, world. Mm. Bigger and bigger platform. Yes. But it's fractal. Mm. Starts always itself. Always with starts self. at the beginning. First a domino. Lot, right? First domino. Oh, no matter what, things don't go well. Hence why when I talk to people, I... I ask them a series of questions, but always kind of get it, try to get an idea of what's going on internally. Because that's where the internal compass starts. A couple of degrees over, as you said, tacking, it's going to make a huge external um, shift. It is. Right. So did I hear your story accurately?
1: You did, but there's another complete other side to this. Please, let's hear it. While I'm going through this, I would fall back into... um, couple of series of, of mental states emotional states that i didn't understand i mean i never had it so good i mean i'm, I'm serious right so coming out and, and advancing um through with chris greendale another guy james john uh, john rounds who was his partner and a guy named eric sebesta they were the original founders um they would say things to me go do it just go we got you that level of belief in me or the teams that we were working with and the things that we were trying to get done was was ridiculously empowering. I mean like, okay, now it's about do I trust myself mm. okay, to do that. And what happened was I would I would come off the rails for about a, a week or two, right? And I didn't understand what was wrong with me. What do you I, mean coming after <clears throat> this? emotionally. So I would have these free floating anxiety attacks, okay, while I was on an airplane flying someplace. And I didn't know, was it butterflies? I not know what was wrong with me. You know, I'd have these, um, uh, uh, for lack of better words, they were um, diversion attacks. I'd eat too much sugar, for mm. example, right? Mm. I somehow gained $10,000 in credit card debt and I wasn't paying attention. Mm. I have the cash in the bank. How come I'm not paying the credit card, Mm-mm-mm. right? So there's, there was weird behaviors that were showing up in my life. As the more I succeeded, these behaviors became more apparent, mm. okay? And back to that darker side, right? Mm. And what I realized was that there was an inner voice to me that said, I didn't deserve the success that I was having. Mm. That's the short answer. Mm. Okay, That there was a worthiness issue inside me that was holding me back from mm. becoming that next level. And a book that changed me, completely changed me, was written by a guy named Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap.
2: Mm.
1: Now The Big Leap uh, is about people who are going up above their comfort zone, what they call their upper limit. Yeah. right? And it's the upper limit of success. Now it could be in relationships, it could be in health, it could be in career, it could be in finances, it could be spiritual. right? There's a, there's like eight areas he talks about, mm. but he is um, really renowned for working with executives of large companies who are trying to make those big leaps. Mm. Okay, and they don't know what's wrong. And so you see this all the time with lottery winners, right, and yeah. sports figures, and um, folks who succeed at a level, and then they, they just burn their winnings down, right? They just do silly things, right, right, um, irrational, silly irrational things. behaviors, and you just look at them and go, "What are you doing?" Right. right. Why, what? You cheated on your wife when you're, what? Right. Right? And the whole thing comes crashing down because they're at a level that they simply do not know how to handle because there's something wrong. There's a big leap. So this book, I started implementing the, there's a bunch of um, uh, mantras and meditations in the book. Mm. And I started doing them every morning. And every time I started feeling awkward, I'd do this stuff and it settled me down. Mm. One of them that I got from another book way back when was um, from The Master Key, Mm. Okay, And it goes like this. Uh, I am whole, perfect, strong, powerful, loving, harmonious, and happy. Mm. I am whole, perfect, strong, powerful, loving, harmonious, and happy. Believers and supporters surround me. That is burned into me. Mm. So anytime I start feeling wobbly like I'm in an upper limit problem, I repeat those and I get grounded. Mm. Believers and supporters surround me. Mm. Everywhere I go, people want to talk about success they want to talk about doing something good they want to do the next thing i'm whole perfect strong powerful loving harmonious and happy so that book then pushed me into well why is there an upper limit what's going on what is the reason for the upper limit and from where i come from and all the studying i've done and all the research i've done it just endless endless you know get this research paper go look at this thing go talk to these spiritual people like that i've come to a fundamental conclusion that I have a worthiness amount. That my worthiness is like clay and it can either uh, be added to or pulled away. Mm. And it's an identity inside me um, that can be dark or can be light. And it's my self-worth. And self-worth, when increased, naturally lifts confidence. Mm. Naturally. When I say I am worthy of a good exit with CTP, I am confidently stepping into the exit with CTP, with my company, right? Mm. When I feel I'm worthy of selling my company, I step into selling the company. It's kind of like riding a bike. If I'm pedaling and I point it towards something that looks really cool, which is my worthiness, imagine the front wheel and your your handlebars are, are pointing towards that direction. I feel worthy of heading that direction. I naturally start pedaling more towards it.
2: Mm.
1: I find the energy to pedal towards whatever that is. Mm. And I avoid the things that I don't want. Mm. What ends up also happening is, is that my perspective widens. So you can't see my hands right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm as if I have my hands cupped around my eyes and I widen my view, my perspective mm. views, when my worthiness goes up. Mm. Now I see more. Mm-hmm. Now I see more opportunities. I see more doors. Mm-hmm. And I step into those. So. That whole education process got me to write the book, "The Bug in Our Brain," and the bug in our brain is worthiness. Hmm. And so the book is about how do you lay, raise your worthiness, how do I identify you know poor worthiness um, language, emotions, images in your life, <clears throat> so that that happened. And it now has become a fundamental teaching thing that I go through with all my clients and all the people I work with and anybody I'm around. And my job is to elevate
0: and to help you elevate your worthiness. Beautiful, I love it. Yeah. So let me unpack that just for a sure. little bit. So you recognize during those times when you're flying, having anxiety attacks and things like that, that internally, and then you jump into the big leap and, and then that really um, um, opens up new ideas of this idea of worthiness. Mm-hmm. Totally agree, I can empathize for sure, 100%. Yeah. I know where my internal game isn't strong when, when it is strong, right, right, that I am worthy versus am I not enough, like, then, then I try to artificially inflate it with more knowledge, and then, and then so, so, so here's actually an interesting nuance that only you know, not you, Robert, but you, whoever is listening, that you know, if it's artificial, I'm pumping myself up, externally, mantra, whatever, uh, then it will appear as arrogance. Versus someone who is truly grounded, I am worthy. Doesn't matter what you think of me, like I am, I know who I am. Authentic worthiness, right? Right. How do you discern where's okay. the line between the two?
1: It's about being clear.
0: Say There's more about called, that,
1: please. Okay, it's called dense energy in your heart. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm going to so, shift gears pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it, please. So, um, Michael Singer, he's a author, wrote a great book called The Untethered Soul. Beautiful book. Okay. In there, he talks about energy locked in your heart mm. and how to clear it, All right. He truly believes, along with a lot of Eastern philosophy, that the, that the heart is at the center of energy mm. and that that energy gets locked in there and painful energy, right? Much like Michael S- Singer uses an analogy that it's like a thorn in your skin, right? And just pull it out and deal with the pain and let it heal. But we build these fences around the thorn to protect it from getting poked at. Um, but we got to go back to the, to the pain. we got to go into the heart, recognize the injury that I have, and release it. Mm. Okay? And that's a clearing. Okay, that's mm-hmm. a clearing. That's a process of clearing. And the process of clearing is to know where your injuries are, know where your pains are, what happened as a child, as an adult, You know, she left me, right? Um, Somebody, if men and women, you know, um, somebody attacked me, right? There was an accident that happened, no fault, but I'm angry. Maybe God abandoned me. Pick a topic, right? You know, that's going to cause you injury. Um, And what I found to be true in my life is that I had to revisit that event to clear it. Mm -hmm. I was not able to clear those, that what they call dense energy in your heart, um, by just wishing it away or talking it away. I had to emotionally go back to that spot in time, Mm -hmm. all right? So um, I remember one time I was attacked as a teenager in a bathroom, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, These kids were picking on me. I was a freshman. Mm -hmm. They were juniors, and they, they attacked me in a bathroom, right? They made me push a penny around a toilet seat They thought was really funny, right? But it was buried in my consciousness. And I, every time I thought about it, it just made me angry, mm. right? Until I was able to go and unwind that story with somebody I trusted,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? I had to carry that energy in me. It was like that thorn, and I built all these little fences around like Michael Singer did, right? He mm-hmm. he's talking about. And until I was able to go back there and unpack that and recognize, you know, that they too are on their path,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that where would they be now, and what would they say to me today mm-hmm. if I was to run into them?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was really interesting. I, um, I, remember th- I remember working through this, and I thought to myself, they would either be very, very sorry for what they had done, okay? Um, or they would ignore me completely and try to avoid me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And either way, I was okay with. Mm-hmm. So why was I holding on to that story? Why was I holding on to that thing, right, that whole piece? And I was able to let it go a bit, you know, and I worked on that over and over. But that was just one of, you know, how many – everybody's got it, right? Sure, of course. It's part of being human. It's part of being human. Yeah. But as soon as I was able to start loosening up that energy inside me, I was now able to start recognizing what's my authentic self, right? How do I come from that confident spot that you're talking about of my authentic self? I had to be more clear inside me so I can recognize who I am, Hmm. Am I an injured little boy?
2: hmm
1: Okay? Or am I, you know, getting clean, getting mm-hmm. more clear inside me so I can be my more authentic self so that when my confidence is there, it's not looking like ego or mm-hmm. pride or, you know, I'm driving this really fast car. Look at me. Look at me. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's, if you don't mind, let's get a little yeah. tactical. Because <clears throat> we can intellectualize anything. Yes. So... I've done you know landmark and where we talk about things like that well, so yes, intellectually, right, I understand that I'm putting meaning on that right all know. that stuff like yep. a totally it's a beautiful model, great framework, but what are some of the tactical things that you've experienced that actually really help release the this you know concretize this so you want letting, to go there no this letting go yep uh versus Because it's easy to say, I'm letting go of things. And then you can talk about it, you can journal it, you can meditate on it, you can talk with a friend on it, you can talk to a therapist, you can Mm -hmm. do psychedelics, just a lot of things that one can do. From your point of view, personal experience of working with clients, Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the best tactical things that people have taken on to let things go concretely? Three things I can
1: think of right now.
0: Yes, let's go. Okay, number one, uh, <laughs> learn to meditate. Okay. Meditation. Um, Any specific kind of meditation? Uh,
1: I, I, I find myself doing more TM these days.
0: Mm. Transcendental meditation. Transcendental,
1: yeah, having a mantra, repeating the mantra over and mm. over again. Um, there are those that will teach it, and they do charge money for TM, and yeah. I think that's appropriate. Okay. Yeah. And there are those that will do... More, um, if you're in the Buddhist path, there's a love and kindness methodology, Mm -hmm. right? You know, you can do that as well. There's probably 10 different ways to go meditate. For me, I tend to go towards the Buddhist practice initially. That's where I started. But in the last year or so, I've I've been adopting what would TM be like, right? I wanted to try it, and I've been finding it very useful Mm -hmm. for me. So I do that 20 minutes every morning. I'm up at 5 a.m. I do my little things, and then I sit for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's just part of my day. Um, but starting out, that's what's number one. Number two, uh, the Ono Pono Pono prayer. Mm. Okay? Um, that was introduced to me through a bizarre set of circumstances right? where I found myself actually practicing the prayer to get over a resentment that I had for somebody. mm And uh, I love you, please forgive me, thank you and I'm sorry. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, please forgive me. I love you, thank you, right? Just the Mm -hmm. the whole series of that. But there was an addition to it um, that comes from a 3,000 year old practice. I can't remember, I think it's it's an Indian practice where while you're doing it, you literally uh, metaphorically uh, and in your mind's eyes, you're, with your eyes closed, you take the, the, the flesh off your body, mm. and you hand it to the person, mm. and they eat it.
0: Wow. Interesting.
1: Because, because their energy, if they're angry at you or you're angry at them, is that they want their pound of flesh. Uh. And unless they actually get the energy in that process to do it, then they are not satisfied.
0: So it's a mental image for energy transference. Well,
1: exactly. Well, let me yeah. just give you the practice. So I close my eyes and I, I hold the image of the individual who I've done this with. I just did this like three days ago because there was somebody I was mad at, right? Mm. And I, w- I am so sensitive to that emotion of being angry, right? I go, I'm not, I'm not going to tolerate that for an instant, right? So I'm going to do whatever I can take so I don't feel that I don't want to go there. Mm. So... I close my eyes, I hold their image in my mind. now I see them right now. And I'm literally doing it right now, so I, I see that person now, and they're happy because I've already solved it. Mm-hmm. Already done mm-hmm. that, but the image is back. Then, I did the I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you. Um, thank you. yeah, right. so and then I would take my hand on my on my thigh here, I'd grasp my thigh, pull it up in my hand, in my mind's eye, I've got a piece of my flesh, and I reach out and that individual takes it out of my hand and depending on their anger will show me how they're consuming it. That mm. could be easy, but I don't try to change the energy. I don't try to guide it. I just let it happen mm. in my mind's eye. And this this particular time this man literally almost tore my hands off while I was while he was eating it. Mm. Okay, he was so pissed, mm. right? And I had to do it 6 or 8 or 10 times. I'd go from each thigh, I go to my shoulder, I'd go like this. I reach back out and stuff mm. until he finally slowed down and then he threw up.
0: <laughs> he purged. He, he
1: purged, right? He couldn't yeah. he couldn't take all of it in that he wanted. He was unable mm. to consume what he thought he needed in his vengeance. Mm. And then he collapsed and he started crying.
2: Mm.
1: And then the last act is I take my heart, my beating heart. Mm. I pull it out of my chest and I hand it to him. Mm. And they never take it, mm. ever. I have yet to have somebody take the heart out of my hand because they have, they're done. They're done eating me. Mm. This is in
0: your mind's eye. In my mind's eye, mm.
1: right? And then they sit, and then they finally tell me what's wrong. Mm. And then I say, I'm sorry. I, please forgive me. Thank you, and I love you. Mm. And um, that practice has probably saved me more often than anything, that one practice.
0: Question. So then, what happened to your body in it's, that? It's whole. It's, it comes okay. back to whole. Comes back whole. Okay. Comes back whole. Then in my mind's
1: eye, and I'm and I'm settled, and I just let it sit there. I don't try to change it. I let the energy, and if it comes back, mm. I do it again. Mm. But it's not nearly as intense.
2: Mm.
1: Now, for some people, who I've had long, long-standing anger with, like those two men in the bathroom, right? Mm. I had to do it five or six times. Mm. Okay, but it went away. And the only reason I bring that story back is because it was on a shelf in my mind, and I pulled it out, and mm. this is what happened. Yeah,
0: yeah. It no longer has any hold has on no, you. It has no hold. It yeah, it's no just power. like a memory. Yeah, yep. It's like a story you can tell to illustrate a point.
1: Right. So the energy in my heart has now, I, I, it's gone, mm. right? That locked-in negative dense energy around that injury is gone. Mm, mm, mm. And I don't let those energies stay with me. And then the third practice, I'll pivot to the last one, Sure. is what they call EFT tapping. Right, where you you if you don't know that practice, it's a a, um, a, a tapping on energy zones. kind of a acupuncture areas on your body where you use tapping to uh, say a statement um, around a situation. Although this man used to be really pissed at me, today I know he and I are in loving kindness in a walking way today. Something like that, right? You kind of bring together the old and the new, and you are tapping on different parts of your body. Anywhere. No, no. You have you have a very specific pattern. Okay. okay. I suggest going online. There's a number of YouTube videos about it. There's a practice. There's actually a certification for it. Oh, interesting. Right. It's um, typically used for PTSD yeah. for people who are having some severe trauma, emotional mm. traumas. Mm. Um, and,
0: uh, and you found it to be actually effective. Oh, very effective for no me. No kidding.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's called EFT tapping. Oh. Um, those were the three things I use huh. to clear... The energy Mm. now there has been a few other times where i've been with um uh, licensed individuals who have taken me and regressed me back to almost a hypnotic state of that moment i'm still conscious and stuff but i'm actually acting out the events
0: in your mind no no verbally oh verbally yeah you're describing it describing it I'm,
1: i'm 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 using the voices of the two people involved. I'm actually oh, acting it out. Oh, interesting. Right? They, you know, it, it's, um, it's, a, it's a path that psychologists use. And, and you've got to be really careful with it. To find somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Right? That will take you through. And licensed clinicians will use that as well sometimes. Sure. And they use that on me. Um, I don't know if that was the one thing or not. i do not not quite certain. But those three things I can do, I can uh-huh. meditate. Yeah. I can do the onopono pur and if it's really hard I can do my flesh um, yeah. thing right mm-hmm. and then last one is if it's really difficult I can use some EFT tapping but I haven't had to use tapping in years now. It, so for uh, you the tapping is the most powerful. That is it is. It is. The tapping is so if you don't know you tap you tap the the so I'm I'm using my left hand in the air and I'm using my right hand my fingers to tap the karate chop part my palm right mm-hmm. the edge of my palm and you'll say something, let's say that you're having difficulty with sugar. Okay, so I'm tapping my palm, right? My palm, I say, uh, although I used to consume sugar to avoid my emotional state, today I know that sugar holds no power over me and I eat nothing but healthy and good foods, mm. okay? And there's this rewiring that goes on inside you, and then I go to the top of my head and I do it at the top of my, my, on my, very top of my head, I do my temples, above my eyes, below my eyes, Right above my lips, between my nose and my lips, on my chin, my solar plexus here, and on my sides. Hmm. Interesting. And that, that's taught um, online. That's where I learned it.
0: That's beautiful. You know, when I was younger, I'm a technology guy. I'm mm-hmm. super in my head. Mm-hmm. Well, I, no, let me, I should correct myself. I have in, my, in the past super in my head. And these type of things, when I first heard it, it was even like hypnosis. I was like super hokey, like ah, whatever. It's pretty woo woo, yeah. Pretty woo woo out there. I don't believe. I need it. to it wear tie dye while I'm doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. So. But 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 as I get older and hopefully a little wiser, um I realize the integration between the body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit. Yes, it really is integrated. It, I, my body is not just carrying my head. <laughs> No, it's no. totally integrated. When I recognize that you and I are actually exchanging energy, I mm. mean, through
1: whatever ether that's between us right now, mm. that you and I are exchanging, we're, we're rotating through this energy back and forth to each other. When I accepted that, mm. that, that the physical distance between us is nothing,
2: mm.
1: when I accepted that, that, that I have the ability to exchange energy with you when I focus on that, All sorts of doors open for me. Mm. So when I speak in public,
0: I am mindfully exchanging energy with the audience as a focal point. Mm. So in your mind, your words are landing to them, the energy coming back to you. It's more than that.
1: It's my physical presence. It's my body language. It's how I'm walking. It's how I present myself. I am a prism by which energy is traveling through.
0: Like a vessel. A
1: vessel. No, mm. no, it's, um, Prison. Like, it's like glass. Mm,
0: mm. It's,
1: like a, it's like a, you know, when light goes through a prism, it turns into a rainbow, right? It, it Correct. refracts. Right. Yeah, I look at it that way, that I am that prism for that event at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. All energy is ro- coming through me or coming through me. I am not what they want. This is really important as a, as a leader, as a speaker, as a man. It's not Robert they want. They want what's traveling through me. Mm. They want the energy that, I'm, that is coming through me. They want um, to connect with the, um, the life force that's traveling through me and however I'm presenting. What got them there was a technology talk, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: right? On you know, Microsoft Azure's latest security things, right? You know, I happen to be talking to them. But what holds them in their seat is my energy. Mm. That's what keeps them there. And they're not going to remember a dang thing I say. But they are for sure going to remember how they feel. Right. Mm. Right. The event and the emotion of that event Mm. will get them talking about, oh, hey, that that speak Robert really did. That was really pretty interesting. What did he say? I don't know. (laughs) I got maybe one thing out of it and I spoke for an hour. Mm. But so, CK, I think about what you and I are doing, right? We're just flowing a consciousness between us. And when I accept that that is happening, just everything changed. Hmm. I think it's pretty interesting that we got to that point here in this conversation, actually. That, yeah. That's, we never, that we, how do we get
0: to this spot? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. That's really, really beautiful. Man, you dropped so many gems. How are we doing on time, by the way? Are you okay? Yeah. We got, we got no, 15 minutes. 15 right? minutes. We, you know, yeah, whatever cool. we want to do <laughs> Um, so speak a little bit more about the whole energy work. Like, Speak on your journey. How do you come to the conclusion there? Because you're a technology guy. I am such a technology right? guy. I, I mean, am such a geek. You right. you and I, we relate on many different levels. Yeah. Kindred brothers in that way. Because I can't speak for you. I can speak for myself. Heady guy in the past. Yep. Realizing, okay, we're more than just our mind. There's definitely more to that in life. Yeah. Uh, And, and... So, so speak more about the, how you got to the whole idea, the mental model around energy, and, and how do you actually use that as a way to enhance your life, your relationships, your business, really enriching your life that way. The
1: there came a time um, that I had to recognize that um, there was more working here than I could measure. I'm a scientist. I went to school for science. I practically got the scientific method tattooed on my forehead, right? You know, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. That's right. Right? That's right. right. That's how we were taught. This world we're in right now is all evidence-based. There's such a movement right now in evidence-based action, right? How do I life hack? I can only life hack something if I got evidence that it works, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, God bless Tim Ferriss, right? But um, I think he's making a big shift in his own personal life. Again, uh, you know, if if I can't measure it, it doesn't exist. Well, how do you measure love? show me the meter that I can plug into that tells me that love exists, Mm. right? There is none. However, love is, love is what it is, right? It's a, it's an energy. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's Paul connected like this. And when, um, something happens with my wife and, and we call each other almost exactly the same time to talk about something, there's a connection there that I cannot deny. It's, it exists. So, Assuming that that presence is there, that that I am going to release the need to understand why something exists.
0: Release it. Wait, one more time. Lost me. Okay. I'm going to release. Release the need to understand why
1: something exists. Mm. This is this thing that's going on in our society right now is that I need to go find out why that works.
2: Mm.
1: Right? We have this big science and technology is flying at us at mock speed today, right? I mean it's going faster than ever
0: before. Right.
1: Moore's law is left in the dust here. Right.
0: Singularity something. coming in in no time. Right. Mm. The issue is is
1: that people are over rotating into that to me right now. Mm. While at the same time denying the fact of the connectivity and the, the spiritual connection, our soul's requirement for connection, our mm-hmm. soul's requirement absolutely have to be connected. Otherwise, we die. Infants have to be held. Mm-hmm. They, have to, they have to have love, right? There's something there that's connecting us. Let me give you an example. My wife and I taught our children when they were three that if they were ever lost, to go find a mother. Mm. And you know what? They got it. And so we took them to a a, a supermarket and we say, show me a mother. And they literally picked out every single mom. Mm. They say, you get lost, go find a mom. And kids know that. They instinctively know that. How do they know that? Right? There's there's something there, right? There's an energy there. There's an understanding there. They're born with that. Mm. So when I accepted and released the need to know that if, if there is evidence in my life that this is working, but I don't understand why it's working, and I just decided to say, okay,
2: mm.
1: I don't even know. Let it go. Instead of figuring out why this particular technology needs to work, I'm just gonna use the technology.
0: Mm. Yeah, so, you don't need to understand how electricity works. You just click right. on a switch. click on a switch, yeah. right? Mm. Because the reality is we actually, because I'm a scientist myself, Right. if you really get down to the nitty gritties, why it works, nobody understands why. It works. That's right. Well, <laughs> look at light.
1: Light can be, light behaves in a way, either a wave or a particle, depending on how you look at it. That's right. Okay, so my observation of the test screws up the test. Right. What does that tell you? That mm-hmm. tells you that I have energy into the system and my energy is messing up the system, so how do I even know what the system is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so you know this whole need to measure psychological behaviors and best practices and all these different things like that, I totally recognize that and I take a lot out of it. Right. But I am not gonna ignore the obvious, Right. that literal obvious evidence that's what's inside of me, that my belief and my confidence has power and that power allows me to move forward in a in a way of good
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that good is infectious and people love it
0: yeah i love that thank you yeah so there's a interesting uh, mental model that i use personally i love the yin yang sign the older i get yin yang sign just such a beautiful model to look at there's a little it bit of white everything in black there's a little, of, a little black of black and white
1: Back to my original thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Right?
0: So uh, in me, so the way I look at it, I use it for a lot of duality, the ways I look at the world. There's the sovereign self. My name means strong will, mm. right? And sovereignty. But then on the flip side, surrendering, mm. flow. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I'm asserting, I'm, 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 spec- I'm unpacking what you're saying. You're not saying to, say, go to the extremes. Hey, the world's all about technology or the world's all about love, the intangible things. Right. Striking that balance, striking that harmony between the two is a way to help us operate on the highest level in this realm. Totally agree. Is that what you're totally agree. articulating?
1: Yes, it is. I have a tendency to swing all the way to the technology side. I love bits and bytes and speeds and feeds, right? And science, science, engineering, engineering, right? Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. But that little bit of black in the white, or the white in the black, is that recognition that I am a connected human being. Love connects me to the world, and when I hug somebody, when I see them. Right? They feel that connection. And in the technology world, it's it's so desperately needed. I mean, when I, the people, I, but one thing I didn't know about is that CTP, all the teams I work with like that, I hug them and I tell them I love them. And that when they first meet me, they almost like someone put some electric shock on them, right? They're like, oh, I don't know, Robert's hugging me, right? <laughs> this is business. We're not supposed to be tugging like that. Like that. <laughs> Two or three times, they expect it, and they they wait for it. Mm. And I remember one man, his name's Dave, I love Dave to death, and he said they didn't get my hug. And I went, wow, wow, right? And Mm. I, you know, purposefully, you know, big hug, right? And uh, it just just struck me how much our technology industry needs just that, that compassion piece on the side of it, mm. right? Just to, to bring it together, to make it whole.
0: We're human. Right. Bring that humanity into well, technology as well. Well, here's what I'm... This is my mission, by the way. I don't know if I've told you. or Yeah, go uh, ahead. Let's um, hear it. Uh,
1: I'm all about bringing self-efficacy, um, self uh, avocation, worthiness to the technology world. That's mm. my, my goal, is mm. to help technologists find a little more humanness Mm. in their work Mm. right and it's it's not a a easy thing to do for most men or women they Mm. don't know what that means Mm -hmm. Uh, but they know it when they feel it right okay and so when i bring it
0: they go i want more whatever that is but i don't know what that is (laughs) so it's pretty interesting how do you actually articulate that Because, I mean, the way I look at it, our body is something, you know, the external world is something we can point to. This is a black table. Right. That is my muscle. I want a bigger muscle. I want a bigger black table. I want more money in my account, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's the external. What we're talking about here, the self-worthiness is so, like, in the internal of the internal. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: How do you, and it's intangible. How do you talk about it? Because when you ask anyone, do you have self-worth? Everyone would tell, "Yeah, I do." I do, but 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 that's without looking. If you actually look, even if some of the most successful people, you look at what they do. It's a desperate cry for please give me self worth because I have none. <laughs> right, you tell me you like me enough. I'm worthy of it. that's right. That's right. Some of right. the most like the biggest celebrities that's whoever right. the social media stars whatever. it's a desperate cry for please validate that's right me yep so going back to this so then how do you describe this very intangible quality that every human being have we don't start there okay so so yeah, yeah. Please. so 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 we went pretty deep
1: pretty in this this hour plus that we've been doing this when and you got into Robert's head pretty pretty far but that's not how um, we go to market. That's not how we talk to people. Mm. Um, the first level is almost always money. It's almost always money. I want to succeed better so I can have better prosperity in my life. Prosperity mm. means free time, by the way. Okay, I have free time to go do things I want to go do. Mm. Right? Money brings prosperity, which gives me more free time. Mm. Okay, That's what money does. Um, it also flows abundance to other people in the world and benefits them. So... We start with how do we help you do better in your business world, in your technology career? And that starts with efficacy or um, uh, self-worth, basically. And you say, hey, what do we need to do to elevate your confidence? And we talk in terms like that. We don't usually go to the worthiness conversation because people don't connect at that level. Um, They connect at the the confidence level, and they connect at, well, how do I make my career better?
2: Mm.
1: Communications is the number one vehicle, teaching better communications. So mm-hmm. how do I talk to the rest of the world is almost exclusively the one keystone that improves their, their life. Ah. Okay. So um, when you start becoming more clear with your conversations, more clear with how you communicate to people, how you stand, how you hold yourself, your actual physical presence, how you whiteboard, uh, right? how do you share information, how you mm. type an email, those things are notoriously bad in technology people, mm. right? So <clears throat> you're a good communicator. You're an exception.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm just, let's be clear,
1: right? <laughs> if you talk to anybody in corporate America today and they say, who are the worst communicators in your organization? They're gonna point straight to the computer people. Mm. Every time, 99% of the time, because Computer people have been enjoying the, the, the really good benefit of being able to hold sacred knowledge that no one else wants to learn and that people
0: have had to tolerate their behavior. I think that's worthy repeating one more time, please. Technology people for the last 40 years
1: or so have had sacred knowledge. Mm. Business, business has run on technology mm. today, ex- almost exclusively on technology the people who know how to make that technology work have sacred knowledge on how to make that work so that the businesses will work. Without them, the businesses stop. Mm. Okay? Because of that very pivotal position, they can be jerks. They mm. can talk poorly. They can speak to people inappropriately. They can and be pr- prickly. They, they can be very prickly and leave me alone. I'm doing my job. I'll tell you when I'm done. Mm. okay Uh, why are you next to me Uh, it's supposed to be working in this way just bad what i call bad communications that world is changing right now Mm -hmm. the business world who run business are abstracting the technology away from these people and putting it into a more consumable state Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you're seeing evidence in cell phones you're seeing an evidence in cloud computing. You don't need to have technology degrees to get really amazing artificial intelligence or machine learning systems.
0: There are options. There's options, right? They I don't can need ge- to deal they with can geo arbitrage to other countries. That's right. They can do artificial intelligence. There's all
1: sorts of different mm. things that are happening now that that are that are making the technology people who used to who have that sacred knowledge um, less of an option. Right. Right, And so what ends up happening is that because of the communication skills of most of the people that I work with today and today out in my technology world, they have to learn how to talk in a way that the rest of the businesses will be able to have compassion and understanding and connection and all the things that the other businesses want out of them. Mm. And it's a huge problem. It's a huge, huge problem right now. So many of the technology people today I find are scared. They don't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to take their career to that space. That like that. So, to answer your question, we come in and we say, "Hey, how do I help you communicate better?" Let's let's see the things that you're doing to talk to the rest of the world. And we pretty quickly recognize that if you speak this way or talk this way or like that, these people get mad. If you change how you talk, and we back to the inner game, right? You're going to talk the way you feel. Mm. And if you don't feel good about yourself, you're going to talk poorly. I like that.
2: Right? Mm.
1: right? Your, your words are going to match your vibration. If you're vibrating at a poor level, you're going to talk at a poor level. Mm. If you're, no matter how many pretty words you say, if you're not vibrating in your inner, inner, inner being in the way that is consistent, your words are not going to come out very nicely.
0: It's so interesting that, I mean, hearing your, uh, your, your the way you uh, describe your client journey yeah. uh, mirrors my own journey. I started, this whole thing started with my desire to improve on public speaking, mm. a la Toastmasters. Okay. And then uh, the landmark, and then I started looking at <laughs> my inner world. Uh, what, I, what are the stories that I had that didn't serve me? And right. then just go more and more inward as yeah. a way to really look at, okay, who am I being such that my action or my words, how I speak to myself, our I self-worthiness, and all that. That totally mirrors how I think about and really started from this desire to be more competitive. That's right. It all starts with money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I,
1: you know, let's be real, man. Having money is nice. Yeah, yeah. Right? Financial insecurity goes away when you become financially secure. Mm. If you are financially insecure, there might be some other issues going on, right? So I believe that we are heading into uh, a reboot of communications as a human community. Mm. Okay? More um, connection personally. Than there is electronically, right? Mm-hmm. Look what look what happened at Burning Man, man. You know, there's there's no electronics going on out there, no. right? I, I went for the first time this past.
0: Yeah, year. actually, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. you got? What did you What did you expect, and what you got? I know that you um, had did a series of podcasts, so people who would like you can go deep dive there. But yeah. just a quick summary, like what did you? What was surprising to you most about uh, Burning Man experience? The temple.
1: The temple is um, where people go and honor the passing of the loved ones, right? And they bring um, their pictures, their writings. They sit there and they meditate and pray. Um, prior to, bur- to the Burning Man, I had lost uh, four men in my life. They died within uh, 60 days of each other. Oh, wow. And uh, one of them guy was named Jimmy. And Jimmy was one of those men that you could go to no matter what. He'd Mm. drop everything and be there, and he died of cancer. He'd been fighting it for about a year and a half, stomach cancer. Left a teenage daughter and a wife, Mm. Um, and I hadn't let any of that shit go. All right, I, you know, just and when I sat out in Burning Man and uh, I hit the temple and just all these things started flying out. Right, just started losing what I thought I was supposed to be carrying. Right. Mm. So I, I grieved a couple, two or three people that I've lost. Um, that was the first day. Mm-hmm. Okay. I immediately started asking myself while I was there, who am I? Mm-hmm. What mask am I wearing? And why am I ma- wearing this mask?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you go to Burning Man, everybody's got a mask. As a matter of fact, they put on a bunch of masks, right? Mm-hmm. They wear all these costumes and stuff like that. I just wasn't fitting in. Mm. I didn't fit into any of it. I didn't fit into any of the garb they were wearing. I didn't fit into any of that. And I'm Mm. going, what what am I? I'm on my bike pedaling around, going to art, to art, to art. And I sat back at the the temple again another day, and I realized that I need to lose everything that I thought I was and an identity and let it burn in this place. Mm. And so I went back to my trailer. I had all this, these bins of these things that I would carry, right? You know, I had these stones and I had this leather and I had some other things I'd carry. And I had you know, a bunch of stuff, you know, sacred items basically. I packed them all up, rode out to the temple, laid them down there, meditated on it, uh, let some motion out and it burned. That was it.
0: I mean, I, I, I've never been that free. Do hmm. so you walk around naked the whole time?
1: <laughs> no, I had a uh I had a a very I had a head thing and uh, like that but uh I I yeah I I kind of went you know I I'd been barefoot the whole time I was out there too. Mm. You know um and uh it was dirty, you know and everything like that but I grew up in the desert. I love the desert. Yeah, so it is an amazing. amazing place. It's yeah. electric. Yeah. I I let go of what I thought I sh- my identity needed to be. Hmm. And Stop caring what I thought other people thought about me. Mm. And that's that's a layering by the way. That doesn't just happen. It was like a big piece of it came off though. And watching it burn when the temple burned
0: Mm. was a very freeing thing. That temple design. It's amazing. Spiral like when it burns. Oh goes all the way up to the heavens. It's amazing.
1: It's Um, a it's a crazy thing, man.
0: Burning Man to me is a very, very spiritual place. It, it a lot of people think of it as a crazy party at the desert and p- where people do drugs or whatever yes there's certainly a you part can find of that, that if you for want. sure, yeah. but to me spirituality is everywhere it's a very, very holy place for me even it was yeah
1: it really was i by the time I left, I had deepened some connections with some people there that i I never thought I'd go, right. Met so many people from around the world, right? I talked with so many people about why they're there, and you know, mostly couples, right? A lot of couples, a lot of people there. You know, people are getting married there. There's just a whole bunch kids of kids running there. around. Yeah, I don't know if I'm the, like the kid part, right no? yeah, the, the, I'm not. You know, Too fought, much? I'm a father, right? Right. Yeah, so yeah. you know, I, I, there's a time and a place for some things. I didn't think that was that me, but that, but that's me though, right? Mm. Right. I don't need to bring my my stuff on to them. They'd let them do their thing. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that, oh, there's one story. Yeah, go ahead, please. So here's a story about Burning Man. While I was at Burning Man, I had this bike, right? And I love my bike. So I painted it. It's a a beach cruiser. It had something like that. And I'm pedaling around. They always say lock your bike at the Burning Man. But I spent the whole first five days not locking it up.
0: Right. Right. You're testing your luck.
1: You're testing (laughs) it. Let me tell you right now, you're testing your luck. Okay. (laughs) But most of the places I went, no one had locks, right? Okay, and, and so we get to the last, the second to last day when the te- uh, not the when they burn the man, right? Mm. And it's a party. I mean, you, have optically, you can't take it all in. It is it is something to see. You just can't visually take in what's going on. It's so so amazing. Actually, hundred thousand people all around the burn, right? A lot of people fly in for that day, right? Just just a bunch of going on. Go back out to work, find my bike, and it's gone, right? Someone stole it and i thought to myself well they didn't really steal it they borrowed it it's here someplace right because you're not there's not no one's going anywhere right and by the way burning man there's some five to six thousand bikes left each year that they donate and they get rid of but uh so I was pissed for about five minutes, right? And so I start walking back. It takes me a good walk to get back. You
0: know how that goes. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's a like, not a short walk. No. It's a couple it's like miles. Mi- it's a mile and a half back. It, it looks longer at night. Even. Yeah, no, my when God. When you're just, cold, cold you're walking, <laughs> man, you know? And I'm like, oh,
1: man, it's late. You know, everybody's having a great time and I'm walking. And I got to carry a light with me now because I don't want to get run over. That's right. Right? Because there's so much stuff going on. That's right. Um, so next morning I get up can't find my bike. I looked all over for it. Don't find it. It's, it's gone, right? So I'm with a couple of rangers at the very point watching the sun come up right there at that main playa center there where they sell the coffee. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the sun. I'm having a great conversation with them. I said, told them about the bike and they yuck, yuck, yuck. Should have walked it up. I go, hey, thanks, man. All right. So I decide I'm going to walk out to the temple one last time, right? And it's a long walk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I start walking and there's an art installation about 400 yards out and I had not seen that one. I didn't stop at that one. I decided to detour over there. And I start walking towards it and walking towards it. And there's a bike. It's laying on its side. And I go, oh, that's interesting. And I get closer and closer. It's my bike. It's my bike, man. Right. Out of 50,000 bikes, there's my bike. That's right? right. There, there, man, It's a needle in a giant needle haystack, right? Mm-hmm. And there it is. I, just, I literally lost my mind. I was so damn happy, man. I just go, mm-hmm. oh, my God bike right i jump on my bike and i start pedaling around and i'm waving at everybody Yay! i, go, I am i am a f- seven-year-old boy on christmas day with his new bike pedaling up and down the neighborhood mm. i was i was so lit up mm. emotionally having found this bike that the playa had gifted back to me right there is no other way you have to be at Burning Man to understand how rare Point zero 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 one percent chance of me finding my bike.
0: <laughs> That's amazing.
1: It's amazing. And I just jumped on it and started pedaling. And the buddy I came with, he was way off something like that. And he and I, I was yelling, hello, hey, good morning, everybody like that. And I ran right into him as an accident, yelling, hello, hello. And I go, oh, Steve. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. right. And he was the guy I connected with at such a deep level that mm-hmm. – you know, a good friend, 25 years, one of my, one of my men. Mm. And it was
0: such a good story, man. I just love that. So actually, let's, let's unpack that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. There's so many stories like that. Yeah. To me, it's quote-unquote miracles. It's miraculous, right? It's, it's infinitesimal. I mean, it's not infinitesimal, but it's close It's to pretty that. darn small. It's pretty yeah. down smart. chance of finding a freaking bike out of the whole place of Playa. Right. <laughs> what did you learn from that? What's the takeaway lesson? To let go. Let
1: go to let go. Let go of what? my attachment to anything that I brought there, including the bike, mm. right? And that <sighs> I needed that lesson to um, that the uh, whatever whatever energy was there was going to respond to me. Mm. I had to be clear of all the things that were holding me back. I just need to be clear of those things and and the attachments and the, the uh, how do I look in front of you and, and all the things that they're self-defining and what is it that I'm, I'm scared of, you know, what am I worried about when I stand up in front of an audience, right? You know, what is it that I'm really concerned with? Mm. And there was, I I don't, I don't know the reason why the bike came back, but it came back. Well, what do you think that reason is? Love. Like I, had, like I stepped into something that was unique and there was an energy attached to the bike that had to get its way back. I don't know, man. <laughs> Again, we're back to giving up the reason why. mm right? The gift was there. Here's the gift. Are mm. you going to
0: take it? Ah, so the lesson. I, I want to just really unpack it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going with you. So, so you give up the attachment, and then, then you're going to get the gift, whatever. Whatever gifts are there. Right, okay. When I let go of what
1: I think makes me happy, mm. the things that make me happy show up. Mm. Okay. And, and, and trying to figure out why the bike is back, is like me trying to figure out how to measure love. Mm. Okay. I, I don't know, right? And if I if I let go of these things, right, mm. I, I'm able to accept what's coming at me, which is so much more powerful, which is so much more relevant. Mm. It's 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 the flow. Right. You know? And I I don't even know where to start with that other than say yes,
0: right? Yeah, when I was uh, I'm gr- I grew up Chinese. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm st- I'm still Chinese. You're still Chinese, <laughs> but I grew up in in the Conf- you're still, you're China, right? <laughs> right, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, I grew up in the Confucius teaching system. Okay, and it's all about tradition, respect the elders. There's mm-hmm. a particular way of behaving and acting, a la sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a particular path you follow. This path and life will be great, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also learned about this crazy guy named Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu? Right. Mm-hmm. He wrote the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. I'm quite familiar with it. Right. And it's a beautiful writing. I'm reading it again mm-hmm. <clears throat> this time. And to me, he was just some crazy guy who talked about this mysterious thing called the Tao. I was like, I don't understand any of this stuff. It's beyond me, right, when I was growing up. But the older I get, the more I realize this Tao, the way... Well, if you can describe the way, it's not the way. not the way. In the infinite possibility of life, if you can point to it and say, that's what Robert Christensen is, the fact that I say it, that's in itself, it's, that only limits you to whatever I say you are. Right. And similarly how I describe myself, we're infinite beings living a human life. And how can I let go of things that don't serve me anymore such that I can continue to manifest myself with the way that I want to in the infinite possibilities and following that flow and I know that for the people who's listening to this maybe like what the heck is this? <laughs> Robert talking I, I about I tell you I mean, the, the
1: Tao the Tao Te Ching is is you know there's there's th- three or four books that are my all-time all-time that's one uh, mm-hmm. the other one is meditations by Marcus Aurelius mm-hmm. okay um
0: why why is that like why is that? Very, it's a
1: very leadership book. It's about community. Um, what's good for the individual is good for the community. Um, he has a very famous meditation called the ob- uh, "the obstacle is the way." Right. Mm-hmm. The thing, the impediment to advancement, is the advancement. It's very Taoist mm-hmm. thinking, right? Right, you know, right. The obstacle that you're trying to get through is the uh, is the reason why you're going through it. Right. Okay, so you have to go through it, right? Um, the journey, the, the, the journey, journey is the journey. The journey
0: right? It's not the final, finished gong and when the right. song is not the doing the song. That's right. Yeah, it's the a whole song. It's the whole thing. Right? The and whole note. And the
1: end is part of the journey, right? That's right. And, yeah. So, Meditations is one of those books I was I was turned on to by accident. I was visiting the Getty Museum and um, the Antiquities in Malibu, mm-hmm. and I found it on the shelf. There was a a bust. Of Marcus Aurelius there and I found a book and it said meditation so I started flipping through it and there are these little short you know paragraphs lot things uh, there's seven scrolls or books that he had they make up the meditations and what he used to do as the last what they consider the last good Caesar of, um, of Rome he um, was between I think it was the years uh, 48 uh, A.D. to about 65, 70, about 27 years. I don't know the exact numbers. But he was considered the, one of the most um, uh, grounded, uh, thoughtful um, leaders of Rome. And then after that, things started sliding down. Um, but he used to carry around these teachings, these scrolls, wherever you go. And he would read them and he would write about them and he, like that. So um, he passed. The scrolls disappeared. And then they were found again, I think, in 300 A.D. in the Constantine era. They copied them and kept them, mm. right? And it's one of those writings that have been passed down since. Right. And so every great leader in history has had Marcus Aurelius's meditations on their shelf. Mm. Every president,
2: mm. okay,
1: every leader, man or woman, um, has had them. And so I figured if they're reading it, you know, so they have adopted it. And then the third one book is... Um, uh, the Odyssey, Homer's The Odyssey, mm. uh, um, it's the original story, mm. and um, I, I i really cherish that that journey of the Odyssey. It's, you know, it's part of the trilogy, but uh, that particular one where um, Odysseus is lost for twenty years after he conquers um, Troy. It's the he just uh, leaves Troy after being inside the Trojan Horse. And on his way back, he gets lost. And it's all about how the gods are giving him all these things that stop him. Um, Poseidon um, really is pissed off at him because he's fortunate. He has the favor of um, all of the other gods to help him along. But Poseidon's a really pissed off dude, right? Mm -hmm. He's the son of Zeus. And... Every time he goes to sea, Poseidon gets wind of it, right? And literally, you know, knocks him off course. And Calypso captures him for three years and makes him, uh, makes him her sex slave for three years, right? And he gets attacked by the Cyclops, which are um, the sons of Poseidon. He puts an eye out. The only eye makes him blind, trying to escape. Poseidon gets pissed off again, right? And just, there's all these toils for him trying to get back home to his wife. Hmm. And his wife pines for him for 20 years mm. and his son becomes a man, but can't stop all the people who keep stealing all her, um, Odysseus's fortunes that he's been building. Mm. And so there's a fight at home that he can't get to and the son doesn't uh, has to become a man to try to defend his father's castle. And there's all these classic classic human things that go on in this story about how mm. we have to go through the obstacle to get to where we need to go. So those these
0: are really powerful uh, books and meditations for me. Thank you for sharing that. Now there's a car out there with the Odysseus. That's mine. <laughs> Play I uh, figure. <speaker. laughs> You're loving that much. Yeah,
1: I, well I got the license plate because uh, um, it's just a reminder every time I see the license plate that says Odysseus, you know, it reminds me that I am a man on a journey, mm. okay? And there is purpose to my journey. I am serving my home. I'm serving my my wife and my children, and my and my community,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the world. And there will be challenges. There will be the quote the gods, mm-hmm. sending things my way that are going to cause me to work. They're going to cause me to have to go over the next obstacle, go through the obstacle, whatever I have to do. And that's just life. That's go back to classic, uh, you know, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey, right? That's mm-hmm. fundamental. So. Every time I see it, it gives me a grounding that I'm not unique. Mm -hmm. The world's not out to get me. It's just our journey. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is the flow, right? Back Mm -hmm. to
0: the Tao, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's all connected. You know, just be in it. So, following that on that, and then we'll probably wrap here. Mm -hmm. Everyone's on their own journey, right? Man and woman, child. As someone whose purpose in life is bring, in my words, elevate consciousness to accelerate, to help them with their journey, Mm -hmm. how do you identify someone who is on their path and ready to receive the tools, the wisdom, versus someone who is not? They ask. They ask. Going back to what you said, they make the call.
1: They make the call. If they call you, they're asking. If they, when I was younger, I felt it necessary for me to share my opinion, whether you wanted to hear it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, CK, you should do this, Mm -hmm. right? You know what that does to people? Mm -hmm. Pisses them off Mm -hmm. because uh, you're judging them when you do that. Mm -hmm. I have found the most, I found for me that the, best students are the volunteers. Say, say more about that? They raise their hand. They say, I want to know more. Will you teach me? Mm. Can I be your client? Where's your book? Would you sign it for me? I want to read it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? That's Those are the people who want to hear what I have to say. Mm. I spent a lot of my time trying to convince people who don't want to hear what I have to say
2: mm.
1: about what it is I'm saying. Mm. That goes nowhere and it frustrates me. Waste the energy. Waste the energy, right? Mm. I'm not flowing, I'm not flowing, I'm trying to flow to some place that doesn't want flow. Mm. And that's a huge lesson as anybody, a man or woman, that if, if you want to have significance in people's lives, turn and face those who want to hear what you have to say. Mm. They will be tapping you on the shoulder.
2: Mm.
1: They may not be the people who you think mm. who you should be talking to. Mm. But my realization is that the people who are tapping me on the shoulder today—they're all in the technology industry.
2: All mm. of them mm.
1: following a flow. Again, they're, I'm, I'm just going towards the direction of which I'm being tapped on the shoulder. Mm. Go and where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. That's a great saying. Yeah, that's a great saying. I like that a lot. Yeah. I'll close on that one. Yeah. <laughs> let's do
0: that. Um, thank you so much. You're welcome. I acknowledge you, Robert, for sharing to go to different places. Uh, things that we probably didn't anticipate. Oh, uh, go. We, we went with flow. Yes, we did. And really acknowledge you for sharing in a very vulnerable, very authentic, very transparent way about your own journey, your own hero's journey, mm-hmm. your commitment to make a difference in, in people's lives, specifically technologists, to really help them elevate their game, mm-hmm. right? And then, therefore, as a way, like that's the hook, but as a way to elevate their self-worth. Their self-worth. Yep. I really acknowledge you for that mission. It's a beautiful, beautiful mission. So if, you, if people want to find out more about what you're up to, take your workshops, buy yep. your books, uh, have you uh, as, a, as, a, as a coach, where do they go?
1: So they go to motiveforlife.com. That's M-O-T-I-V-E-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.com, motive for life. Contact me there. Uh, if you're in the Southern California area, every first Saturday of the month from 9 to noon, we have an intentions workshop. Where we set out um, what our next 30 60 90 days look like whatever we want to get done and it's a it's a visualization using um, sketching and drawing techniques where mm. you draw out <clears throat> the basic language of how you want to see the next days unfold as opposed to writing a bunch of words and the images are much more powerful people than they are they want a new house they draw the house right mm. okay, so, and so it's a lot of fun um, so we teach that. Uh, and the book is available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback. It's called The Bug in Our Brain. Uh, it's done quite well this past year. I'm very pleased with that as well. Mm. So there's a lot of techniques there. Uh, you can email me at robert@motivforlife.com, at or contact me through the website, the contact. And if you need direct coaching, I'm very um, actually, I'm full up right now. so <laughs> uh, we can, Good first uh, world yeah, problem. It, it's, a good, it's a good problem to have. Um, so uh, uh, that's a whole other conversation that I have with individuals to see if they're right to go do that. With right. me. Okay, But uh, I really appreciate it, CK. Thank you so much, man.
0: Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, listeners. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about what we discussed, anything that needs to be answered, please go to noblewarrior.com forward slash group. We'll be happy to answer those questions there. Take care now.